Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another incredible episode of Prison Counts Podcast, where we take you inside the criminal justice system and what it's like to really spend life in prison. I'm your host, Ryan Ferguson, here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Dave Dowling. Dave, how you been? Pretty good. All's well. It's a little rainy of a week, but I will uh, persevere, persevere with joy and gladness. Well, yeah, man. I mean, you know, when you spend 10, 15, 20 years in prison, a rainy day can't get you down so bad as long as you're free. As long as you're free. That's exactly correct. Still move around. (laughs) Plenty to be grateful for, no doubt. Plenty to be grateful for. But that's not always the case, right? I mean, it uh, you get perspective, but it's easy to lose. That's what's really interesting about this episode. We're going to be answering everyone's questions. What do you guys want to know about life in prison based on the last three-part series we just aired, based on our experiences? And we got a lot of responses. And uh, perspective is one that came up. We got so many more. Uh, Can't wait to dig into these, man. These are going to be really fun. Yeah, I think so. This is going to be an interesting episode. I like answering people's questions. Some of them are unexpected. Some of them are questions I would think people would want to know things about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I... uh, (laughs) I haven't thought about a lot of these things for a while, and uh, I'm reading the questions, and I'm like, man, that's a great question. And then I go to the next one, that's a great question. I haven't thought about that in years. Well, yeah, and a lot of our listeners have loved ones in prison, too, and they're concerned about their loved ones, and watch the motion picture going on in your head. You know, I wouldn't get all of my information about prison from prison movies or television shows. Well, that's a, that's a really good point you bring up. And actually, one of the questions that we get, as told by Megan, asks, how do you feel about the portrayal of prison in popular culture? Mm, it's a good question. And, I mean, I guess, do you want to answer this one, Ryan? Do you want me to? Sure. I mean, I, I can I can definitely talk about it. To me, Go ahead. you're uh, more of a way- popular culture guy. <laughs> Yeah, not so popular culture. Um, But no, to me, I think that the way prison is portrayed in popular culture, uh, i.e. TV generally, is wrong. I think it's uh, inaccurate and misleading. I think it's sensationalized. Oftentimes, you're going to see a small segment of prison and a small portion of the population in there, and they try to show the most radical portions of that. They don't show... People like myself who were in prison or Dave who was in prison, people who are normal, living normal lives, trying to get by day to day, trying just to survive and really make the most out of the time that they have in there because it's still your life and you can't just hide under a rock for 10 or 20 years and then come back out into society. You've got to, you've got to make that time pass. You've got to work on yourself. So a lot of people they develop relationships with other people in terms of like friendships and they grow together and they read things together and they work together and they're really doing good things. But the reality with doing good things and growth in prison or programs, oftentimes that's not going to be super exciting for TV, right? So they don't show people succeeding. They show people failing. And I think that's, that's kind of sad. Well, really true. They, <laughs> yeah, they seem to uh, gravitate towards stereotypical type things, stereotypical type people, stereotypical right. type understandings of what happens in prison, of what race relations are like and what gang relations are like and what parts gangs actually play in prisons. And, and it, it it's very diverse. I mean, 
things are different state to state for sure. In my experience, though, it, it, I mean, I enjoyed the Shawshank Redemption. I thought that was a good movie because it portrayed the day to day to day. You know, they found a way to portray to portray the monotony of prison, which is really it's the thing that makes it go by. And it's the thing that is almost kind of the worst. It's the machine of prison that runs day to day with the count you know, with the count and the structure of it, of your day. And when the day gets thrown off somehow, the longer a person has been in prison, they kind of tend to wig out. And it's hard to for a television or TV to show the kind of mental strain that actually occurs. That's absolutely true. It is hard to show because it's so many things to so many different people. But I think you make a good point, And that is the longer you're in there, the more structure you kind of have. And if that gets thrown off, it really messes you up mentally because uh, you built a little life for yourself. And so another great question we have, and we kind of answered this on, I believe it was episode 10, where we just talked about a day in the life of prison for us. But somebody asked, what is your typical day in prison like? Do you want to start with that one? Sure. I mean, basically... Your prison day starts with generally a morning count, count time, count time. Everybody has to be up then. Now, you may have woke up before that, but you're certainly not waking up after that. Once they call count time, you're going to have to be up, most likely standing up either outside the door of your cell or next to your bunk, whatever your case may be. And what happens if you don't wake up and stand up for a count? What if you just sleep through it? Oh, you're not going to sleep through it. If they count and they miss you and then they come back and count again and figure out it was you, well, I mean, you could get locked up in the hole for disrupting count. The worst thing you can do is disrupt count because that's the bread and butter. Is everyone here? Somebody's missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is everyone here and accounted for? So until they get that count right, they're not going to let you do anything else. You're not going to eat breakfast. You're not going out to recreation. You're not going to go use the phone or any of that type of stuff until they get count right. And briefly, what count means is literally what it sounds like. They count each and every person. They go through the wings. They count you one by one and make sure that everyone is accounted for. That's count time. And they do that three, four, five times a day. And if you mess up and sleep through that, you're not standing in it, or I mean, you're obviously not going to be missing most likely, but if you miss it somehow, you are in big, big trouble. And uh, and that's just one thing you can't mess up on. Yeah. Generally, the big lights will go on. You know, count time, count time, custody, count time. Every offender outside the room standing by their door arms by your side. That's what Oof. I heard for a long time. I used to hate count. Right. Typically, then the wing will be open or what have you. And then they'll get, tell you to stand by for chow. Still, what they call mainline. I don't, I don't actually know why they call it mainline in Missouri, but stand by for mainline. Mainline is, I guess, the main population going into the food line. I guess that possibly could be. Yeah, but they call mainline. Stand by for and That's usually like 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning. It's early. Count early. Right. Eat early. Yeah. People start lingering by the doorway, trying to be first, you know. Then they'll call it, go eat chow. Yeah, then after that, you'll either come back to your house or go to your next assigned area, which might be a job or recreation or wherever it is you're supposed to be next. A call out, which is maybe they sent you a message that you're supposed to see the doctor today, or maybe you have a meeting with your institutional parole officer, or you have a class. They'll send you a call out for those things. Those are generally called call outs. They call you out 
and you have permission to be excused from wherever you're supposed to be. That can disrupt count a lot in itself. After that, it's just more meals, wreck, meals, then some time in the wing. Maybe you play cards. Maybe you just sit in your room, sell, watch TV. Maybe you watch the community TV if that's the case and use the phone if you can or if you have to. And then lights out. And then they'll call lights out when they call lights out. That's it. We're done dealing. Yes, sir. Later, You're locked over. in the room for the rest of the night. Locked in the room, rest of the night. And you know that's kind of what our experience is like because we're we went through programs and we were more free. I think it can be for a maximum security prison. We were for for a maximum security, but it can be. I mean, literally twenty three hour lockdown. Uh, when I was on the yard, I'm sure. I mean, Dave, that's where we met on the yard. Our next yeah, question, by the yeah. way. Um, that's right. But when we were on the yard, it was. 22 to 23 hours lockdown a day if you didn't have a job there was nowhere for you to go they only had rec once a day and if you missed that or you like count messed up rec that was it you're in your cell all day long except to go eat and shower and that's it that's your day have fun read a book watch some tv yada yada yeah now they may still call rec if rec got shortened though they're not going to shorten their stuff they'll shorten your stuff so i remember them calling rec and 10 minutes later saying, Rex over, Rex over, return to your housing unit. 10 minutes later. No, the uh, anger. Takes your five It was always the most stressful thing. Oh, yeah, dude, whenever it was count time so and it like, started bleeding into your rack, you're like, it's the perfect day. I can't wait to get outside. Uh, recount. You're like, no, uh, I just lost all my rack. Yes. Oh, Stand by stress. for recount. Oh. Yeah, you're like, who did this on my rack day? <laughs> so horrible. But yeah, going into that next question, Courtney Poloni asked, how did you and I become friends? And that's a good question. Great question. And uh, we became friends because I was kind enough to befriend him, really. I mean, that's the way I remember <laughs> it. I seen a sorry lost soul. I was and I so decided <laughs> Maybe I'll grace him. I had a sign that I was walking in the yard and I said, looking for friends, sign up here. So the first time I saw Ryan is when I had just moved out of R&O, which is the beginning of prison, which is when you first go to prison, you go to R&O, which. Do we, uh, do we remember what that's called now? Why, why it's called that? You know, she, the warden, Miss Lake told us on the last episode, and I'd have to listen again to remember. Reception and orientation or something like that. Reception and orientation. That's right. So once I got out of there, they moved me into three house, which is four wings, make one house here in maximum security prisons in Missouri. So I was in one wing and it was like Ryan said, 20, 21, 22 hours of lockdown a day, especially if you didn't have a job or something. You were, you were literally locked in your cell the whole time. It was, that was probably the worst part of my bit. Anyway, as I would go outside, you know, I started noticing people and who's who kind of thing. I knew some people already, but I kept seeing this guy in a white jumpsuit with a what looked to be maybe a religious beard. <laughs> <laughs> a big, I mean, and for the record, a white jumpsuit stood out because no one else had him, and that meant you're on like cell restriction. You're in trouble to some degree, right? You're you're experiencing some in prison punishment, which at this <laughs> point it was room restriction. So Ryan couldn't come out of his room except to go to chow or callouts, like I described earlier, doctor, dentist, what have you. Then he'd be back in. Now you're used to kind of seeing a few guys in the housing unit in these white suits because they would say, 
oh, how did such and such get on white suit? Oh, he told the guard to F off or something, you know, or he didn't. It could be anything. He got caught with too many pens in his room or really it's very arbitrary. It could be anything. So then after a couple of weeks of seeing him like that, I saw him in his rec clothes, you know, a pair of shorts, shirt, and he was playing ball. So I think I played basketball with you. I don't remember really talking to you, but I did play basketball a lot during rec on that front yard. Me too, yeah. And then the next day- My one I see day him off, I did that, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The next day, I seen him again, and he had the white suit back on. And that's odd, because you don't usually get off for one day and then right back on. And so that's when I first approached him and said, hey, how'd you get back in the white suit already? And he told me, what was it? What'd you do? They gave me 30 days white suit, which is the longest you can get. Um, they were just targeting me and trying to- hammer me um and then one day off and another 30 days on top so basically 60 days with one day off right with a which one day i off. used to hoop but the reason that was uh they do uh urine analysis tests to see if you're drug free and if you're not you're probably gonna go to the hole uh this is the first time they had ever dropped on me in probably two years two plus years since i've been incarcerated i was nervous as hell because i knew if you can't pee you're failing and if you drank too much water, then you're going to get it diluted and you're failing. So I tried to tiptoe that line and I had just peed and they opened my door and like, you're getting a piss test. And I'm like, oh shit, I just peed. So I uh, went down there. I tried to pee. I drank water. I tried to pee. You have two hours now, to get had it Had you used any illicit substances? I had not. I never did in prison. Not once. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I wasn't going to take that chance. And I didn't really have any Me desire neither. to. And, and for the record- in 15 years, I never one time was on room restriction, not once. Yeah. That's a record. Well, that, I mean, that's that's almost that unheard impressive. of, really. That's impressive. If anybody had been there, would be like, no way. How'd you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I was Crap. on it again later for things that I did do, but this time I, I didn't. Um, so it was that, and they they I couldn't pee, so they gave me the room restriction. I literally had my, my parents call up. I had a lawyer write in and say, we will pay – for a, a, you know, they can pull your hair and test hair. it for drugs. Yeah. You can't yeah, get around that. For that. No. I was like, but we'll not pay for it. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to do no, it. But I, I gonna. but you know, even the, the person who answered the phone for that call laughed and didn't probably even pass it on. They, they did. But see, yeah. that affects, that affects your life, not just in yeah. prison, but your appeals and, and like, you know, they would report well, on me in the newspaper. I mean, and so they should have given me that chance and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't let me show that I had no drugs in my system and give me a fair and valid test. So that's uh, that's it. I got 60 days room restriction. It was the longest 60 days of my life until I went to the hole for a year. Right. Well, after that, to answer Courtney's question, after that, I saw you again. I had seen some things on television about Ryan about his case and I had my family look him up and give me some facts because it was a little intriguing to me because 99% of the time I, I I'm very I don't believe a lot so I usually don't even really want to hear it honestly I didn't do it okay well you, maybe you did maybe you didn't I'm kind of more worried about me that's kind of was my attitude in there I was intrigued by Ryan's case because he had never been in trouble before and the crime was described as a brutal assault during a robbery. Now, and I've talked about this a little bit on sh previous shows, but 
I know that that's generally not the case. A person's first crime generally isn't something like assault and robbery. That's something that you, you lead up to. There's going to be, for the most part, I'm not saying it can never happen, da, da, da. But in my experience and from the humble education I have on criminal thinking and from watching those around me and knowing people around me and being a part of this for a long part of my life, most people work up to that and it's a gradual thing, almost like addiction. You generally don't start out shooting a bunch of heroin on your first try. So I didn't really believe that that made sense, that he would go out looking to do a robbery when he had never been in trouble before. It just didn't make sense to me. And the more I read about the case, the more it didn't make sense. Anyway, I approached him and told him, hey, I don't believe a lot of people, but I believe you. And well, we're pretty much fast friends. I guess we're friends after that. We stayed friends, right? I'm, yeah, I mean, I you said what's up. We hooped together. You know, right. uh, we, we had kind of like a group of friends that all hung out and we yeah. ended up hanging out because of that. Yeah. And then we had times we talked and times when we didn't. I mean, it's just how prison is. You know, you gravitate towards each other. We played in the band room for a little bit till you were told that you were too horrible to be in there. Yeah. It's hurting people's ears. Um, well, you know, what? what's interesting about prison, it's a small world and uh, you get to know the people that hang out with pretty much the people that you hang out with, whether it's in your housing unit or not. Um, Cause there's just only, I mean, there's 2000 people in there. You get to know most people and there's not a lot of good people in there. There's not a lot of people that you have respect for in there. And so someone like Dave, who uh, was doing good things and someone who is respectable uh, stands out, you know, as somebody I, I wanted to be around because he was a positive human being doing good things in prison. And, uh, and that meant a lot to me because that was exactly where I was. And it's a, it's a fresh, uh, it's a fresh breath of fresh air in a, in a very negative, uh, sad kind of pathetic place. Well, sure. Just like anywhere else, birds of a feather flock together. That's, that's right. how it works. You know. And what's crazy is the, this part of prison that, you know, isn't talked about much is, you know, we met in three house and then you, you don't see people for a year or two years sometimes. And then you see him again. So we were in three house together and then I went to the hole for a year. I went to four house. Dave went to five house and you don't really, when you're in different housing units, you don't see other people. Not uh, that pretty, often, pretty unless you work together or something or have some right. other interest. Yeah. Which, which most people don't have good jobs. And then if they do, they don't work together. So you really don't see him a whole lot. And so I probably didn't see Dave for a few years. I went back to five house uh, or I didn't go back to Five House. I went to Five House and didn't see Dave for a few years and saw him in there. I was like, oh, what's up, man? We were, I think you were in the program and then you got out. We were playing ball together. And then I went through the program. Then you went back through it. <laughs> I think I went through it the second time with you or the first time. I don't remember. I think it was the second time. I think you I were, think you were a part there. of that second group. And mm-hmm. I was already there. Yeah, you were already well versed. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I got, I mean, I got swindled on that whole deal. I mean, it was uh, a setup. You know, right, I was a right, right, pure right. victim in that situation, sort of. I never did a day in white suit, but I had to do the program twice. <laughs> Man, well, I got another year under my belt though, so uh, whatever. Well, we'll talk about the program someday. I actually want to hear this story, but we'll we'll save that one because that's a long one, and I don't remember exactly how you got swindled. But that's for next time. Swindled. We're gonna keep answering people's questions. And but that's how we met. You're out there. You know what you did to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Dude, What's your next you question, did. Ryan? What do we got? 
All right, next question. Um, man, we're we're burning up some time, aren't we? Uh, hope to get to everyone's. We might do a two part series, just so you know. So uh, we're gonna get to everyone's questions eventually, though. This goes back to kind of like your regular day in prison. Uh, it asks about visits. Yeah. So Matt S three 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 asks, how long slash how often were visits? How many people were you allowed to visit? Great question, Matt. Good question. Go ahead and give them the parameters of the visits first. All right. Uh, how long and how often? So visits were, I don't know, like about four hours generally. You could have eight a month unless if you were on good time, then you could have 10. You could have 20 people on your visit list, but uh, you know, generally most people didn't have that many on there. Uh, and if you wanted more, you had to get rid of another one. Uh, so that kind of becomes an issue. A lot of right. Time. If you had 21 time. friends, you it's difficult to get approved just mm-hmm. to throw that to you right. to become eligible to visit. Anyway, go on. Yeah. And so visits are specific times. You have morning and afternoon visits from Thursday through Sunday. And real briefly, before I let Dave take it over, there are so many issues around visits. I cannot even begin to explain. Your people have to make the drive up to see you. Then they got to wait in line. Then they got to wait for count. So they're sitting there. Your visit time is burning up while they're wasting their time waiting up to an hour, maybe even more sometimes uh, because you're stuck and you can't get to them. And uh, and then there's Dave's favorite, the drug sniffer machine. Oh, oh my, my gosh, goodness. that was a debacle. That almost cost me to lose control of myself one day. Me too, dude. Me too. Uh-uh. No, my because... dad literally went to... The, the prison office, the central office, and was like, this has to stop. I'm not joking. Well, it was just ridiculous. So they had this machine. Let me let me throw it out there for that. Yeah, let's go straight to the machine. <laughs> right. So they had this machine. Breathe, that Dave. Breathe. It'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, flashback to the anger. So they had this machine you walk through. The visitors, your visitors, your family, friends, what have you, would walk through, and it would – I guess spray something or something, it but some, yeah, it's it puffs joke. something at you and could tell if you had been in contact with drugs. I guess recently or something. Well, my friend who visited me at that time every weekend had never in her life used any drugs, period, at all. And she came through and it went off. And they said, "Oh, well, it might be on your money." Like, cause you can bring like $20 in to buy vending machine stuff, but they still wouldn't let her visit me. I had to visit behind the glass. So I go behind the glass. And at this point I'd already been waiting, like it's for our visit, but they'd had held us up because of recount and such and searches and all this stuff. So two hours as a visit was already burned up. So I finally get up there and they tell me I can't sit face to face with them. I have to sit behind the glass. So I start getting really upset. Cause usually in a visit you, you get to sit a, in a room with them and everyone else. And you're across this table. You can like hold hands, you can hug. You have right. to within you know, reason. Like I mean, there are certain rules game. about all that stuff too. There's a right, right. Three Very second true. kiss limit, a three second hug limit and stuff like I got that. in trouble for hugging my mom. Too oh, I've long. seen guys get locked I mean, really? up for, hugging their grandma too much. I mean, really ridiculous stuff, just ridiculous stuff. And one time my friend came up there and, you know, her mom had passed away earlier in the week and and I gave her a hug and a kiss and I kissed her on the forehead. She's crying. And 
you know, they wrote me up for sexual misconduct. Oh, so freaking mad. My whole family called up there. Well, they dismissed that and gave me a breaking visiting room rules. But to me, I used to visit everyone. I was there with you. I visited almost every single weekend for a while. And it became. Yeah, we were up there together all the time. It became a chore. It, it became a little stressful for me. Like It, does. it started it to everyone. be easier when I got to a different camp and. I didn't have as many visits because I got sick of worrying about the visits, you know, because they drive a long way. You get there. It's real loud in the visiting room. If they're older, they can't hear you. Oh, I don't know. It caused so me a lot of anxiety. I, I appreciate everyone who visited and everyone who took my phone calls, of course. But it, it, to me, after a while, it became something, that, a lot of anxiety, but. Me too. It's hard on your visitors. Very hard on right. your visitors. And then, um, just the mental anguish the time and everything so dave your your friend came you found out you're behind the glass right, so i snapped out and i asked to see the sergeant sergeant came in sergeant davis was his name if you're listening hi sergeant davis oh i remember davis he was all right with me actually but <laughs> he was yeah, an all right guy he was bad. so he came in tried to calm me down said well it's probably on her money i said well then how did you get in here you got money on you right how'd you get in here how'd all the rest of the staff get in here they got money on them right so my girl's got the only cartel money. You know, she works for Division <laughs> of Family Services. She's got cartel. You know, I was really pissed, you know. Anyway, he told me you better chill out. So my visitor was asking me to chill out. And I did chill out. But that became the beginning of the end of me wanting to have too many visits anymore. I just wanted to get the time done. Yeah, you know, I mean, was, that may sound like, oh, he's isolating. No, I wasn't. I was doing my time and trying to get it done, living my life where I was. Yeah. It was tough, man. That was a rough time when they had that puffer machine and it was screwing everybody over, they man. It. it was like Puffgate. Puffgate. Yeah, and I just want to say briefly, man, I am just so grateful because I had, you know, we went up on visits yeah. a lot. and That's where I met your family. We were very, very fortunate. I'm your dad. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And we were very fortunate because you're up there every week and – there's not a lot of, you know, out of 2,000 people, right. maybe, you know, 100, 150 of them get visits right. regularly. It, it's sad. Not many right. people. There's many people with no family or friends. in prison. Some for good reason and some just come from a bad spot, you know. It's hard not to have empathy for that kind of loveless situation. It's sad. Right. So. My parents would burn a day of their week every week to come and see me, and it meant so much to me. And I remember one time, my mom came, and it was uh, like it was a I hadn't seen her in a month because she was traveling and she was about to go somewhere else for work, and it was just like a, a really important time that she wanted to see me. She only had so much time. She came in; they did count. I was held back for like two hours, and she had to leave early. It was just this whole thing, man. Yeah. And I went in there. And I knew, I knew it was just so messed up. It was like the one time I was going to get to see my mom for like two months. And I came in and she just started crying. Yeah. And it was, man, it was just it was so hard, man. But I'm so grateful for them. And it's sure. it's amazing how poorly they treat people's uh, families. It's, it's, the inappropriate things they say sometimes to your family members on the way in and out. And that's not everyone. Like I always clear this up by saying certainly there were many respectful staff members that really facilitated the visits well and were real friendly towards your family and made them comfortable. And then there were the other ones, you know, and the other ones stand out in your mind yeah, because they the traumatized you a little more and they made you so, you know, they make me so angry where 
it felt like bells were going off in my head. And I, you know, I would sit in that room just replaying it in my head over and over and there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. I can remember particularly one time to go into a visit, you have to strip out. It's a strip search before you can go in and before, before you go back on butt naked, butt naked, squat and cough. So I went in there, it was my turn to strip out. So I stripped out, squat, cough, all that stuff. And the dude says, all right, you're done. And he said, uh, Oh, and here's your dignity back. And I turn around and snap. I said, let me tell you something, partner. You can never take my dignity. That was one of the few times that I ever confronted a staff member. I said, you can never take my dignity. Yeah. I'm not the one who took a job looking up guys' Straight asses. Up. You know what I mean? You took that job. <laughs> all right? Yeah. That's your job. Straight okay? Up. My job is to do what I got to do to go see my family. And he's like, all right, Dallin, I was just playing, just it. playing. I'm like, all right, well, don't play with me like that. You know? Play. Play with somebody else like that because you can't have my dignity and no one ever did take my dignity and they still can't. Damn right. It's an important thing in prison. You got your dignity. You don't got a whole lot else. That's it. You better stand on that. Especially, you know, I don't don't tolerate disrespect very well because I don't give it out very often. You know, I will say uh, not a question, but just an important fact of prison is respect is everything. And if you allow somebody to take that from you, your time will be rough. Oh, yeah. So you never, you never allow anyone to disrespect totally. you. Never. That's like rule number good one. Good manners. And don't good, res- disrespect yeah. anyone yourself. Good manners have saved a lot of lives. Let me tell you. You know, really. Yeah. These- that's, that's what's really kind of tough about getting back out into society is in prison, there are boundaries. People respect each other and they know there's going to be consequences if they don't. Out here- People say and do stupid shit, especially on this internet, and they expect no consequences. And if somebody does do something, then they want to like run and cry and sue and um, file charges and all this stuff. It's like, no, you had that coming. You should have been respectful. And when you stepped out of line, someone put you in your place. That, that was on you. But of course, that's not the way society works. Um, but anyway, that's just an issue so I've always good had. Good question with. about the visits. We probably went... You see, you opened up an emotional roller coaster for you. you, you, you Very emotional. Was it Pandora's box? Anyway. Oh, man, we could go on and on about that one. But actually, Dave, another good question from Mallory Cameron in this line of questioning. Are there conjugal visits? Do you have to be married for this to happen? Or could you do this with just friends? There are no conjugal visits in state prisons or federal prisons. Uh, None. Uh, I don't know. I think like in one state they allow I can't imagine where it might be. But if you prove me wrong, hey, send me the info. I'd love to know where you can have conjugal visits. That's <laughs> I've never. Very, very few states. Yeah. I, I've never had anyone willing point. to come up and get naked in a state-sponsored room with me anyway. So even if they would have, <laughs> no one I've ever dated or been with would have. Really subjected themselves to such big a brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I doubt oh, that. Man. All right, all right. So, switching gears here, Dave, you got a good question, right? I have one here from Adriana Duran, and she just wants to know what's the first thing we did when we got released, first things we ate, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead and you give your first one. So, of course, you were a celebrity getting out. I was just a regular guy stumbling out the door, but go ahead. I mean, I went straight to Disney World. Did you really? No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody says. Oh, I'm going to Disney yeah. World. Uh, you know, like when they win something or whatever. 
Um, no, I, uh, I wanted to spend time with family. I wanted some good food. The night I got out, I went to G&D Steakhouse, Columbia, Missouri. Uh, one of my good friends I grew up with uh, owns it. Uh, and it's just great steak. If you're in Columbia, G&D Steakhouse, check it out. Shameless plug. Um, but we, we, you know, they closed it down for us and they were there and all our friends were there and Andrew Jinks was there and um, it was a good time, man. And we just ate and enjoyed each other and mostly just steak, had a beer for the first time in a decade. And um, just, you know, that was, it was a beautiful night because did that and then went and hung out with my parents at the hotel and never, I didn't even sleep. I didn't sleep for a week. You don't no, sleep when you neither. get out. You I can't couldn't sleep. Yeah, I was strung out. I was I got strung out on freedom and did interviews. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm high on life. I was. I was strung out on freedom. It's not. It's so weird though. Like literally, for I mean, what a week, right? You yeah, just, two hours. You try an to hour go to here sleep, and there. Can't. Just so weird to wake up in such a strange environment. You know, which was a bedroom, my bedroom. Dave, what did you do when you first got out of prison other than turning around and going back? Right. Now, that's (laughs) the deal. Now, Dana picked me up, my fiance, and we get married next month. Or, yeah, next month, April 30th, we're getting married. Next month. Man, it's a month away. month away, man. It's right there. So, we, uh, she picked me up. I got in the car. We went about, I don't know, two miles, and I was so car sick, I told her she had to pull over. I said, you're going to have to pull over. I'm going to have to drive. She's like, you don't even have a license. I said, it doesn't matter. If I don't drive, I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make it all the way to St. Louis. It was about a two and a half hour, three hour drive. So she's like, all right. Now I hadn't driven a car in 15 and a half years. All right. I hadn't even been in, but the back of a van, maybe four times since then. So I got in behind the wheel and we drove up. And I drove us up down the highway a little bit, and we stopped at a quick trip. And I went in to change out of the – I was just wearing some prison sweats and a prison, like, T-shirt with a thermal underneath it. You know, I mean, I looked like somebody right off the prison yard. So she had gotten me some clothes and stuff. So I took it into the bathroom at the quick trip, and I felt like an alien. I mean, I felt so strange walking into that gas station. I felt like everyone was it's the weirdest looking feeling. at me. And I was like, look at all the stuff is right there. I could just pick it up. You know what I mean? It's right there. I could just get any kind of soda I want right now. You know? So I went in the bathroom and changed into my new clothes. And they felt so funny because she bought me these no-show socks. Okay. Well, 15 <laughs> years before that, they didn't have little panty socks to put on your feet. All right. I, I never wore panty <laughs> socks. All right. So I put them on. I put them. I got a blister in about four seconds. I mean, I immediately blistered. So I came out. I remember I bought some a soda, I think. You wanted some old man socks. Man, I was wearing some skeets. Yeah, I came home and bought all old man socks. Yeah, all, yeah <laughs> pull them up. Yeah, they laugh at me. So we got back in the car, and I drove a little more, and I was still feeling that car sickness. So we stopped, and my first meal was two McDonald's cheeseburgers and an orange drink just to get me on the ride to get home where my family and all my friends were waiting for a big party reunion. And it was great. And there was tons of food there and I could hardly eat before I got there though. We stopped and I bought an acoustic guitar at a pawn shop and that was my day and the guitar sitting right over there and I still jam it. Nice. I know you've been jamming cool like that. You knew what you wanted. You made it happen. That's awesome. I wanted to showcase my guitar playing skills when I got there, which 
or limited at best for anyone listening who is a real good guitar player. <laughs> Jam mm-hmm. out. Can't wait to uh, see you play in a month for your wedding. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think it would be. We're going to have a good time. All right, look, we have so many questions to get to. I'm just going to end with two here, and then we're going to answer the rest of them next week. I promise. So many interesting things to get to. This is really fun and really great questions. So uh, Bridget Mahoney asks. Bridget Mahoney. <laughs> this is a- I got to put this on. It's a good ending one. <laughs> she says, do you miss anything about prison? I just want to hear your response. To Mine? This. That's a great question. Yeah. It yes, is, I do right? miss some things about It's a prison. good ending question. Second ending question. I, and people, it's crazy that they think, God, I wouldn't miss anything about that, which is true. I mean, I wouldn't trade anything now for something back then. But I do miss having my buddies around all the time. I like having buddies around. I'm a buddy guy. So it's kind of weird for me. For my, my whole life, I've always been surrounded by a bunch of buddies. And now... All I got's the buddy I'm going to marry, and she's not as funny. Not yes, she is. She's she is hilarious. <laughs> the girl, yeah. Now. But that is the camaraderie she's of amazing. having friends, and I don't know. I miss a little of that. Miss the fellas, you know. And you know, and there's nowhere else in the world you're going to wake up, walk out of your room, and find two thousand people that can relate with everything you're going through. <laughs> you know. Here in the world, people are going through all their own stuff, and it's all a mixed bag of different things. And there, we have one common denominator. We're here, and it sucks, and only we can relate to each other. So, yes, sir. Yeah, I missed that. You know what's interesting? I'm sorry. No, no. What else? And that's about it. I mean, I miss the time that I had to stay physically fit also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you got to make time. I for know, that, man. man. I freaking I Dana you, you, bought me another membership to the gym. I'm trying. I got to go tan and I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, got to tan. I got to tan because I'm going to St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands next month for our honeymoon. And I don't want to get. So you're going tanning? I want to get tan so I have a base you when I get down bacon? by the beach. <laughs> I mean, I'm not you. I don't, I'm not born Greco Roman. You know, I'm an Irishman. I'm white and pasty. Uh, Dave's getting, I a need base. a base, I man. So I got to go up here <laughs> to the fitness club and lay under the light for you eight are minutes. Glowing, generally. And I dread it. <laughs> the Dana's making right, well, me. enjoy that. And I get my tooth in next week. A couple so 10 pounders. I get my new tooth next week and I get my tan this month. I'm going to look pretty shiny around town. You're not going to be the only, uh, bow hunk on this show you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh yeah um giggity, giggity. no okay so to answer that question as well or to piggyback on your answer i i feel the same right to me i'm a i'm a very you know bro kind of person i love hanging out with my buddies um i like playing sports mm-hmm. i like well i basically i just like playing sports that's it like all sports and so in prison uh, you, you know, there's a lot of people who have nothing better to do than play sports. A lot of people don't do anything. A lot of people walk around the yard, smoke cigarettes, and talk crap and don't do anything. But a lot of guys like us play sports, sports and there's a lot of really good people at everything. Handball. And so I was just actually softball. on a vacation in Mexico. Yeah. I was on a vacation in Mexico and you know, people were like, oh, let's go swimming. Let's play spike ball. Let's play volleyball. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is amazing. And it reminded me of prison right. when people had free time and you could walk out and just be like, hey, 
Who wants to go who? Who wants to, who? Who wants to go play uh, Ultimate Frisbee? Who wants to go try to do a thousand pull-ups? Like, we got nothing better right. to do. Let's do it. I was running 10 miles a day for a while just to see how far I could go. You know, I mean, it was crazy. Just to see. I mean, you get so bored. You're like, I might as well push yeah. the limits to my Which is still while I, I'm in decent shape, really. It's But I better get back on it. It's not going to last forever. But I've been kind of living, you know. Yeah. On my past accomplishments, you know, the laurels, resting on my laurels. Rest on them laurels. Well, hopefully you can make time to work out, Dave. We want to. I'm going to have to. See, uh, you know, live forever, of course. And uh, you can catch up to my physical right. problems. So my chick's kind of popping. She's going to put up with some dumpy guy. She expected, you know, physically <laughs> no, fit yeah. guy, you know, so. You don't want her to be like, right. oh, she's Dave, got 30 no, days to back out of this deal, you know, and then I'm probably out of range. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, let me mention this just one easy to answer question from Ruth Johnstone from Australia. Okay, because we're international here. And she wants to know when we're going to get some international people on the show. She's sick of all this America talk. And uh, she wants to hear about what's going on (laughs) in the rest of the world. She didn't say that. So I shouldn't have put it like that. She was just asking, will we have international people? Well, if international people reach out to us, we will certainly be glad to have them on the show. So Ruth, if you're listening, find us some international people and we'll chit chat with them. Tell them to say hi to me. Yeah, we'd love to speak with some international Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, everybody in different states. Now, see, Australia started out as a prison colony, so I would really love to see how they've progressed in their prison system. So Ruth, if you got any. Well, I was born there, you know, so I was, I was born in prison. Spent another 10 Is years Is that right? In you were born in Australia. That's right. From the show, I remember now. Yeah. Northern Territory, my oh, friend. Well. Way on up there. All right. So if you're listening, Ruth, you know, hook us up. Find us some Australian uh, inmates or justice people, and uh, we'll be glad to chit-chat with them. And if you are listening to this and you know anyone who has uh, stories about being locked up overseas, anywhere, let us know. We'd love to hear from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. All right, Dave. So the last question of the day, as told by Megan's, asks, as someone inspired by this podcast, I love that, Megan. Thank you so much. As someone inspired by this podcast, in what ways can we begin to help enact change? Boom. Great question. What do you think, Dave? That's a very good question. And I've gotten similar takes on that question from other people. And they say they've been inspired. And and get involved, you know. There's a lot of things online about injustices going on. Study up on them and uh, take a look into them, you know. Look at the prison reform groups and, you know, check with the NAACP, groups like that. And they've always got things you can do to help. Catholic Charities is another one that uh, is involved in prison stuff quite a bit. And, you know, you can call down to the, talk to the chaplain at your nearest prison, see what's needed. You know, or what you can do if you want to, yeah, if you want to get involved in justice issues, there's plenty going on right now. You know, there are, there are. And, you know, I I think the biggest thing, uh, well, there's two. Number one, get involved. Dave mentioned some good ways to do that. There are things going on in Congress, uh, in your local Congress that you could uh, get involved with. Uh, It's a state level. It's a national level. There's different, different levels to where you can get involved. But I think one of the biggest things for me is just spreading awareness, you know, talking about these issues with the people in your peer groups, sharing podcasts like this one or episodes from Netflix that talk about criminal justice reform or prison, the actual real prison. The more we talk about it and the more we make people realize that this is part of our society. There are a lot of good people 
in prison that made bad mistakes. They're going to be back out in society again. How are we going to treat them in there? Are we going to get them educated? Are we going to give them second chances? These are important things and we need to be talking about them. So the more we can spread awareness, the more good change I think we can help in that. Certainly. And if you're in a state with a truth and sentencing law, you might want to get in and read and see exactly what that entails, you know, because what will happen is somebody will get locked up that, you know, or family member or something, excuse me, and they'll get hit with a truth and sentencing sentence and you won't believe how much time they get and have to do actually inside the prison. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is now officially part one of two because there are so many good questions that we did not have an opportunity to get to. But like I said, we will get to everyone's questions. Thank you so much for sending them to us. We love uh, being able to interact with you like this and uh, and have this conversation. Like we said, awareness. This is part of the part of awareness. We're having this conversation together. Feel free to send us more questions throughout the week. We're going to be around. I'm Ryan Ferguson at Life After 10. Dave, where do we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Dave Dowling 526111. You can also find me on Facebook, David Dowling. I'm standing there with my fiance and beautiful family. I'm on the beach and looking cool, so I'm on there. You'll see me. Just either follow me or send me a friend request. If you look like a real person, I'll accept that friend request. If you have one picture and two friends, come back when you've got more pictures and more friends. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when you get more friends, right. come on. Uh, th- those are strange. Like, where? Well, yeah. what are you doing on here, really? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Trolling uh, me. <laughs> All right, we're out of here, everyone. Thanks again. And if you get the opportunity, please like, please share this podcast in the mood of spreading awareness. Um, Spread this with all your friends. It really helps get the word out. It helps our podcast grow and reach new listeners. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. See you at count time.